Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Did somebody say playoffs? The NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. So take full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with Dan Dickow, your host on SB Live Sports, brought to you on the Believe Podcast Network. We continue to have conversations with experts in the field of sports, somebody that's unique, whether it's a coach, an athlete, a player, current, former Maybe it's a broadcaster. Today's a great guest, the 2007 number one pick in the NBA draft. A friend of mine who I've had a chance to work with while I was with the Blazers as he played. Also connected with him while he was a student coach at Ohio State where he absolutely loves the Buckeyes. He continues to, to give back to that community. None other than Greg Oden. Greg, how is life in Ohio and, and what is filling your day-to-day activities? Well, thanks for having me, Dan. It is great to see you again and speak with you as well. Um, Ohio is pretty boring as most places. You know, we're semi-lockdown. Uh, you know, um, you got to be in the house by 10, really. I mean, nothing else is open after 11. Uh, but, you know, for me, it's spending time with the family. My wife is in nursing school, so I get to pick up a little bit more with a baby girl who's three and a half. So uh, that's been my road dog. And trying to keep her entertained is the biggest thing I can do right now. Yeah, that's for sure. With with a lot of the quarantine and, and the things being locked down and adjusting to it, it's been it's been a fun new normal for a lot of people. Uh, whether you've got a big family, a small family, it's been a chance to reconnect, and it sounds like you've done that, so good to hear. Thank you. Spending time in, in the Columbus area, obviously we'll touch on your high school and your college and pro career uh, at some point in this conversation, but to go back to Columbus, mm-hmm. you went back, you got your degree from Ohio State, now you're living in Columbus. I can only imagine that that one year that, that you spent in Columbus or Ohio State really kind of uh, 
put an imprint on your heart and in your mind if that's where you wanted to go back, finish your degree, and then start your professional career. What made you want to stay in Columbus? I always loved it here uh, from when we came on that first visit. As you know, you've been through that experience before. And honestly, um, there was probably one year before I played with the Heat that I was not living here. Um, I want to say around 2012, 2011, 2012, I went back to Indianapolis for rehab. Um, and that's where the gym I was going to. But other than that, that summer after uh, my rookie year, me and Mike Conley both moved back here to Columbus and we've been staying here ever since in the off seasons and me year round. <laughs> well, you mentioned Mike Conley and you guys are a unique tandem, a unique pair that played high school basketball, if I'm not mistaken, together. Had a tremendous amount of success um, in Indiana high school basketball. You were Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana. Um, I, with Scorbuck Live, have had a chance to go back to Indiana and, and see just how important basketball is at the high school level. I went to the Kentucky-Indiana All-Star game a few years ago. So you as a Mr. Basketball, I can only imagine that brings back some tremendous memories uh, for your early playing careers. Is there anything that stands out to you about uh, your time in high school? Uh, well, three state championships doesn't hurt at all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> So, I mean, we had fun. You know, those times in high school is the times you're learning who you are, um, the beginning stages, at least. Uh, I met some great friends who are friends for life. Uh, actually, all my best friends I've met in the eighth grade and all went to high school together. Um, playing in Indiana from what, fourth grade up, it kind of gave me that love for basketball that took me to that next level. Um, I was born in Buffalo, New York. So when I got to Indiana and started playing in the third, fourth grade, that's actually when I really started taking basketball seriously as something to do, something for me and my brother to get out the house. And honestly, when I got good, I just kept going at it. And it was fun. It, it was my first obsession. With the time frame that you had, you weren't allowed to go straight from high school to the NBA, and I'm sure you would have had a very interesting and difficult decision. Well, maybe it would have been easy. I'm not sure. I never was in that, that position um, to have gone straight to the NBA. When you look at now, the NBA is thinking about maybe changing. How difficult do you think it would be for somebody to go straight from high school to the pros? I think that mental uh, is going to be very difficult. Um, when you're a young guy and you're put in a grown man situation, a grown man league, it's going to be tough to be able to handle, one, the money, uh, two, just the schedule. Um, everything that you're supposed to do outside of basketball is going to be really tough to get used to when you're coming from high school and your mom and your parents are taking care of you to now, you know, you got to take care of yourself. You got to understand what you need to do to register to vote, who you need to talk to to get an apartment, you know, all these little things that uh, honestly an 18 year old is not really ready for uh, at that time if you don't have a great upbringing. Um, but basketball wise, I, I think the game is a little different now. The game's so much spread out that you know, that difference of strength in a lot of positions won't affect a lot of these young guys as much as you think it would. You know, these guys are coming in. They're a lot stronger than you think when you just look at them. They're all skinny and wiry, um, besides Zion. 
But, you know, those guys, they can spread you out. They're quick. They know how to play, you know, from the three-point line. And, you know, the game is a little bit more opened up. So a lot of these guys are able to go by you and still have, you know, an open basket, not as much, you know, when we were playing in the league, there was always a big right there, you know, that was going to meet you at the rim. So that's when a lot of that strength came to play. I mean, I guess it's going to be a little different when you got to play the LeBrons and the Kawhis and Paul Georges who are going to use their strength and their smarts. But I think these young guys, man, they just – they watched those guys for so long and seen that great basketball that, you know, basketball-wise, the transition would be great. But outside of basketball, it's going to be a little struggle. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting transition for someone who – myself, I spent five years in college. I never would have had the chance to uh, have gone early – um, but even as a 23-year-old, when I got to the NBA, it was a transition. So I can only imagine um, the transition if guys are put in a position, uh, it would be difficult and you'd have to find somebody to lean on. When you look at your transition to Portland, unfortunately, it's been well documented. You had some knee injuries, but you have to have a ton of character. You have to have a ton of belief in yourself to work through injuries early in a career. What was the biggest thing that you learned about yourself early on when you missed your what would have been your rookie year with a knee injury? Uh, one of the biggest things I learned about myself um, how much self discipline uh, it takes to come back from that injury. Um, the dedication to wake up every day to do your rehab, even when you're in the city by yourself, the team's gone. You know, you might feel like it's an off day for you, but no, you got to come in every day to do some type of rehab for your body just to get you back to a beginning stage to work towards that comeback. Um, honestly, when I did it, I had a goal. You know, my goal was just to come back and play basketball because, you know, it kind of felt like the game was taken away from me before I even got to start. So, you know, I made that my goal that I have to go out there and, and prove this number one pick was worth something, you know, that I can bring something to this team um, as a great player, as a great asset to the city. I wanted to prove everybody in the state. I wanted to prove everybody in the NBA that can come back and play this game. So to have that goal in mind was something that it took. But, you know, not knowing and not going through a, a year-long injury like that before, that dedication you need to have uh, every day is something that, you know, kind of hit me hard. And, you know, it, it was it was an adjustment period. Yeah, that that is an adjustment. And, and I grew up in the Portland area. You may remember that some, from some of our past conversations. So I grew up in the area. I grew up as a Blazer fan. You probably grew up a Pacer fan. So mm -hmm. as a young kid, my goal, my dream was always to play for the Blazers. I played for them twice. I was a coach one year while you were a player there. Mm -hmm. So I can say that I got fired from that organization three times because I was traded or fired oh, as a coach. <laughs> but I know how that city supports the Blazers and loves the Blazers. When you look back at your time in Portland, uh, do you have is, is there any one memory of, of just – joy of being in that city even though I know for you you might have had some disappointment um, because of injuries just like me I had disappointments because I thought I was home when I got traded or fired <laughs> mm -hmm. well I mean I got a bunch 
Uh, I can go from the day after the draft when they had that big old parade downtown for me. That was awesome and eye-opening. Uh, I still wish I would have knew what to expect and I wouldn't have wore jeans and a T-shirt. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, then go to that next year um, when Brandon Roy hit that uh, three-point shot against Houston. I mean, I've never seen an arena go as crazy as – as that did, as the Rose Garden did that day. Uh, and to see that in person was just amazing. And it gave me a feeling like this is what I'm playing for. These are the fans that I want to play for. And then it goes to, you know, I was a season ticket holder with a suite, you know, to see that love that, you know, the organization gives and how they want to bring all their fans together and season ticket holders you know, together to be a part of that. That was actually pretty eye-opening, you know, especially being a player. And then to get that aspect of it, to see a little bit of the business, um, there was a lot of things that I really appreciate. The people in Portland, the food in Portland, uh, and uh, the landscape of Portland. You know, I, I had a place where you can actually see a lot of Portland and see the greenery. And I got to love just what Portland looks like and how they treat their people. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it is a class organization, uh, other than the fact that I got traded three times, but I'm not going <laughs> to hold that against them. But growing up from there, I always loved it. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. People in the business side uh, and people in the community absolutely love the Blazers, um, and, and they, they treat people in a first-class way. You mentioned Brandon Roy, and I had a chance to play with Brandon his rookie year, and I saw the ascension, and very similar to you, uh, he had some knee injuries. Mm -hmm. If you, Brandon, stayed healthy and LaMarcus, that was an unbelievable trio that had potential to be very, very good for a long time. Mm -hmm. When you look at some of the trios in the NBA now, how do you think you guys would match up? Uh, uh, I would hope we'd be making somewhat of a dynasty. Um, you know, just a team that's always there, you know, guys who you can rely on. I mean – a bunch of people have sent me this stat on social media that uh, through the 82 games I played with Portland with Brandon LaMarcus, I think we're like 62 and 20, you know, that's a, a pretty, pretty decent. Yeah. You know, that's a, I think that's a playoff team right there. Uh, and that's all you can hope for is a team that would take you to the playoffs every year and give you a chance to, you know, play for a championship. And I, I was hoping that's what we was building, but injuries didn't let us get there. You mentioned uh, one of your good friends, Mike Conley earlier, high school teammate, won multiple state titles. Um, he has carved out a very nice NBA career. Consummate pro from everything that I've seen. He's an all-star. You've got to have a, a, a tremendous amount of pride in your friend from growing up having mm -hmm. such a good career. Um, what's it like seeing him succeed? And then how often do you guys still stay in touch? Uh, I was actually just talking to him last week. Um, I'm so happy for him. Just every day I turn on the TV and I watch the jazz. I saw everything he did with Memphis to become, you know, a leader in points assists and steals like not a lot of players have done that for you know organization I think it's just LeBron and Reggie Miller and you know to see what people used to say about him and always treat him as my little brother 
to him carving out what now you're 13 in the league and looked at as one of the most respected point guards and people in the league. I just feel so happy and so proud to have known this man from the sixth grade and to really look at him as a friend and as somebody I can count on when anything comes up in my life. Uh, and then my daughter, she gets to watch him play TV and yell out, Uncle Mike, there goes Uncle Mike. So that's always big and it makes us feel good when we see him. Yeah, that's that's awesome to hear because I've, I've had a, a couple friends from growing up that had the ability to carve out successful careers, one in the NBA, one in Major League Baseball. And you might lose touch because you get busy during your seasons, but the fact that you're always pulling for them, always rooting for them. And I would agree that, you know, a lot of people maybe discredited him, him early in his career. But as you mentioned, he's become one of the best point guards over the last 10, 12 years. It, it's, I think he plays the game the right way. I can only imagine you feel the same. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I've been noticing, uh, you know, is I'm not going to say it's not a lot, but there isn't as many game managers um, from a point guard as you would know, you know, out there in the league. You know, guys are play, guys are scores, but there's very few that, you know, come in and like, okay, I know what needs to happen. This guy's got it going. Let's get him going. Then he'll put more energy on the defense and change the whole game by just knowing who to get the ball to and what plays to run and just manage a whole entire game, know when we should be pushed and know when you need to slow it down. So as I'm looking at the game a little differently, kind of from a coaching standpoint, I want to say, you know, it's it makes it brings a smile to my face when I see him come in and can change a whole game and a whole organization. Yeah, you're definitely seeing the game from a coach's point of view. I know you spent time with Ohio State um, while you were finishing up your degree, so I can see a little bit of that Thad Mata influence and in, in how you look at the <laughs> game. When you look at the coaches that you've played for, whether it's Thad Mata in college, whether it's your high school coach, maybe Nate McMillan in the NBA or, or Eric Spolstra with the Heat. Has there been one coach that has had the biggest impact on you? Uh, you know, you said the top three, which have been great. Um, believe me, I learned so much from Spolstra uh, and that whole entire Miami Heat team uh, to how they handle themselves, how they bring it day to day. Um, that was the first time, you know, I saw a championship you know, a championship level coaching organization, day-to-day -day planning, um, just keeping guys together and keeping guys on one goal, and that's to get another championship. And um, I, I want to thank Spostra and that whole entire Miami Heat organization for opening my eyes to that. Now, from Coach Nate McMillan, when I'm coming in uh, as a young guy, a guy that's going to bring you that, that change of mindset to – Think about defense. Think about how you can get better. Think about how you can dominate. Think about what you can add to this team, to what we already got, to handling a bunch of young guys and making us play really good together when we were all healthy and to figuring out how we can be a powerhouse in this league, which is a big turnaround for a lot of guys. Um, and it takes a lot of years. And I think Nate did a great job with that Portland team with all the factors that came in and out that he had to control even to the point where he got injured coming into a practice, you know, it, he had a lot to deal with. And so I was so thankful for him for giving me that mindset to, to keep on fighting. You know, that was really where 
that ignition was, was started for me to want to be the best basketball player, defensive and offensive. I just wanted to dominate the game as good as I can. So I thank Nate for that. Yeah, I suppose Thad, for... Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, go yeah. ahead. Were you about to mention Thad Mata in college as well? Yeah, I was going to mention Thad, that he was the first person that just kind of said, Greg, you're the man, um, you know, and I actually received it. Um, and he was like, look, you know, we're going to go as far as you can take us. You know, we're going to ride your back this whole entire game. You know, we're going to let you dominate. Can nobody stop you? And just to give you that confidence uh, to get to that next level, even when I didn't even have my right hand for most of the season. And honestly, I think that was that first away from Indiana fundamental basketball that I started to see the different things you can do with basketball to make it easier on everybody around. Um, and I'm so thankful for that to this day. I mean, he's done more for me as a man than he's ever done on the court. Uh, he was the guy who told me to start coming to the gym to then I got back and to school, you know, he was a guy who I talked to when I had a change of, you know, life, you know, where I realized that I, I was done with basketball and that I needed to figure something else out in life. So I'm always thankful to Thad and the Matas uh, just for being that influence in my life. But your original question, the most influ influential person or coach to me was my high school coach, uh, Jack Kiefer. And uh, Mike Conley Sr., actually, who was my AAU coach, those two uh, really brought the game to me to where I learned everything about the fundamentals, which a lot of guys don't have these days. Um, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful to see the pushing that these guys did to make me that better basketball player from a guy when I first started. I, I made my first bucket for the wrong team. And, you know, <laughs> I could barely – dribble twice without kicking it off the court. So, you know, that was my biggest turnaround from a guy who didn't even know how to walk straight to being a three-time state championship and then learning, losing, what, seven games in AAU from the sixth grade up to, what, 11th, 12th grade. Um, so I'm thankful for those guys, and those guys were probably the biggest influence. But, you know, everything that those other coaches did for me, I'm so grateful for as well. So – the kind of theme I'm hearing from you from all of these coaches in different aspects was mentorship and by you buying into the message that they're trying to help you with. You're, you've been in some coaching capacity now with Ohio state. I can only imagine you're still around the program and you're helping when you can. What do you want your message to be with kids that you work with? Um, that's it. Uh, you know, you come into basketball thinking that it's just about putting the ball in the hole when there's so much more that comes into it. Basketball for me has taken me to places I never thought I would see. So to give that back to a kid, to get them to understand that, look, if you listen to what we say and understand what we're saying, we're trying to teach you lessons. We're trying to teach you how to open up your mind, how to be a better thinker on and off the court how to look at things differently, how to, you know, if you're coming down, look at the defense and read the defense. But also when you come into a meeting, how to listen to what somebody is saying and, and then process it and then come out with the best response that you can possibly come into instead of just going, going, making the wrong decision, not, you know, actually thinking about some things. I think that's what a lot of 
my coaches did for me just helped me understand and helped me better process everything going on. I love that you talked about, you know, the thought process of going into a meeting and prepare. And I want to talk about that in a minute. But before we get to that, I want to talk about every player that's in the NBA kind of comes to a realization that my time in the NBA might be over. And it's, it's a hard thing to grasp. I had to go through it. I ended up going to, uh, to, to Italy and to Germany for a short bit. You went to China. Um, what was your experience like in China? Because so many guys over the last five, six years have decided to go for China or, or go to China. Um, what, is, what was that like and what was your thought process in going there? Um, it was uh, eye-opening. How about that? How I say it, it was uh, a little different. You know, the the, the China League, um, I, w- I could say this because this was what was told to me. You know, they look for guys to come and score. You know, you, you got two foreigners to them and um, you can possibly get another European guy on your team, but they want you to come in and score 30, 40 points a game, you know, if you can. And for me, it was definitely an up and down season because for one, uh, second preseason game, I broke my right thumb, of course. Um, And then I had to rehab for a month. But then when I got back, uh, just getting myself in shape, but also changing my game. Like I'm not a guy to go out and just try to get 25, 30 points a game. Uh, I've never been that guy. I'm the guy that, you know, if I don't get a double team, then I'm going to go to work. But if there is a guy wide open, and I know he practices threes all day, uh, I'm going to pass him the ball, you know, averaging 15 and 12 and three, four blocks a game is, is not enough. You know, they want that 25, 30 points, you know, so it was a little struggle for me that year I was over there, but I did meet some great people. Uh, my teammates were awesome. And, uh, I was hoping that, you know, through my year and was hoping for a little bit more that I can teach these guys that, Put some confidence in them you know they you shouldn't just play around these guys who are really good you know ex nba players or you know professional players from europe but you know add yourself to it you know all them shots that you're shooting the two a days you do five days out the week put that to work you know make sure you take a shot give them confidence as well because that's going to do nothing but open it up for the other guys and the team um so that's what happened basketball wise off the court was a little different. I mean, I was basically a foot and a half taller than most people besides my teammates. Uh, uh, the food was not that bad to get used to because I guess they called me the garbage disposal. So I tried everything. <laughs> well, okay. So what was, what was the most unique dish that you ate in China? Uh, oh gosh, it was a uh, tiger ball. I didn't eat both, but they tricked me into eating a tiger ball. And uh, yeah, I thought it was, it was like a, you know, a piece of liver, you know, it was actually on a little stick too. So I wouldn't even think it was a ball, but they were like, you gotta try, you gotta try it. And next thing I know, everybody's giving me the side eye and then they're cracking up when I eat it. So yeah, they got me to eat that. Wow, that's, uh, that, that's, that's interesting to say the least. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, they got me. <laughs> about the mentorship from coaches on the court and then kind of a mentorship off the court. Mm-hmm. Just as a lot of players kind of try to extend their career to go play overseas, 
there's a big transition to go from playing to the business world or the coaching world, whatever it may be. Um, when I last ran into you, you were, as we mentioned, at Ohio State as a student manager getting into the coaching world while you're finishing your degree. Before we started recording this, you shared a little bit about uh, the impact that you're trying to have on the youth in Columbus with your foundation, as well as some of the work that you're trying to do uh, as a businessman. Can you share us a little bit about both? Yeah, so, um, well, it's not my foundation, but I'm on the board of this Kid Again Foundation here in, in Columbus. It's in Ohio, it's in Philly, it's in Indianapolis. Uh, it's a growing uh, foundation, which is um, for kids and their families, for kids with a terminally ill disease. Um, you can recover from that disease, but if this is a disease that's possibly terminally ill, this foundation is for you. They hold events, they hold fundraisers for the families, just to bring all these families together and let them know that they are not alone and that there are people like this. And honestly, just to get them a day of fun for the kids and for the parents and uh, you know their siblings that just need that. So um, I just got on the board of this uh, a month ago um, and I'm just so excited to do this. Like for one, uh, I'm going to be putting up on my social media real soon. There's a golf outing called Go Golf with Gabriel. And um, because of COVID, you don't necessarily have to go to the Country Club Preserve. We're going to have it set up to where you can golf on that day, August 30th, 29th and 30th. And um, you can golf wherever you want and just do the hashtag. I mean, if you can, you know, they want a donation of $50 a golfer, but you can golf at your own golf course and just, you know, just bring awareness to uh, a kid again who doing great work throughout the state of Ohio and Indiana and Philadelphia. So I'm very proud to be a part of it. Uh, me and my wife really just want to help out, you know, kids, you know, definitely who are uh, dealing with the terminally ill, but kids all around Ohio. So I really appreciate you for giving me this time to talk about that. Um, and also, I'm doing work with EduCore, which is a financial literacy company for athletes and entertainers. And honestly, we just, as athletes, you know, you there's a lot of things financially that a lot of us don't know growing up. And then, you know, with a call of the name, you know, you're about to be a millionaire. And a lot of us really don't know how to handle that. So from my experiences, uh, I just wanted to bring the things that I went through, the ups and downs financially, the understanding that I needed financially to talk to a lot of these athletes. We are doing work with the NBA. Um, so I get to talk to older guys. I get to talk to younger guys. But, you know, some of the guys that's playing, they don't think about, you know, what's next. You know, I might not be playing in two years. How can I prepare myself? for that situation when these big checks aren't coming in no more how am i dealing with my family during covid you know they're not they're not working so they're not getting paid everybody's looking to me to provide as much as i can but you know you're getting a little stipend salary too if you're even in orlando or if you're not then you're not getting paid for the rest of the season you know how are you dealing with these situations are you taking the time to look at your finances and make sure everything's lining up make sure your financial advisors aren't taken from you or making sure you're just investing in the right place you need to invest where you are in your life right now you know those are things that i had to look at i had to look at do i have a great relationship with um 
my financial advisor, with my lawyer, with my CPA. And a lot of these things I had to change because I had the time to actually look at these things. So if you can bring this to a kid or an athlete earlier in their career and put them in a better spot to take care of the family for generations, you know, I want to help that. Well, it sounds like you're, you're doing some tremendous things uh, alongside the NBA with that. You're doing some great things with the foundation that you're, you're partnering in with. Where do you see Greg Oden in 10 years? Do you think you will get into coaching now that you've had a little bit of bug uh, working with Thad Mata at Ohio State? Do you like the path working with the NBA um, on the, with the Educor? Or, or what's next in the short term and the long term for Greg Oden? So uh, I want to continue to work with Educor and just helping athletes with financial literacy. Um, I love working with the NBA and the MBPA on that stuff. Um, if there's a chance that I can get into coaching and still do a lot of that stuff, still be involved with, you know, camps from the NBA and PA, you know, talking to kids, educating them on what they're about to go through. I would love to keep on doing that, especially in the short term. In the long term, I would love to get into coaching. Uh, as I said, you know, that bug is hitting me. I, I don't even look at the game differently. I'm looking at, you know, how they're defending these guys. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the help. I'm looking at, you know, who's good on ball. Um, and I'm looking at what the big man needs to do to be an all-star in this game. So I'm definitely looking at games differently. But I'm watching three, four games a day, you know, especially if I have the time. Uh, so in the long term, I would love to get into coaching. Uh, I don't know what that's going to turn into eventually, but uh, I want that opportunity to be there and help mentor a guy on and off the court. That's the plan for me. But continue doing some work, you know, with a kid again and with, you know, teaching kids financial literacy. That's been my plan. I really enjoy doing that. Last question before I get, I let you go. This will this will uh, air the podcast um, once the NBA playoffs begin in, in the podcast. Um, who's going to win the NBA playoffs in the bubble in Orlando? Ah, man. Um, so off the top of my head, I'm going Lakers. I, I just think this uh, LeBron James and playing with him, the discipline he has when, you know, there's so many obstacles you can do when you're not locked down. Uh, I think putting him in a bubble to where he has to actually concentrate more and be as disciplined as possibly can be, I think that's just going to, you know, that's a, a recipe for him to succeed because that's what he does. Uh, but I, I'm also scared for, uh, I like Toronto. Toronto and Boston. I, I think Boston has so many different dynamics that they can play big, they can play fast, they can play small. Um, and I love Coach Brad Stevens and what they all do there and his coaching staff. But every time I look at Toronto, they're just a feisty team. I mean, they are the champions. You, you got to take it away from them. So uh, I know they have great young talent. Um, they're great guys. I had a chance to speak to them. And I know their coaching staff is amazing as well. And uh, they've just really been surprising me. But I do look forward for Portland being in the playoffs, getting that eighth spot. Yeah, I would agree. You know, obviously I'm a Northwest guy. I love what Damian Lillard has done in Portland and with that organization. You, LeBron locked in like you talked about is going to be almost impossible to beat. I do like the Boston and Toronto uh, possible matchup in the East for the reasons that you mentioned. But 
Greg, I really appreciate your time. It, it was nice to reconnect um, yes. since it's been a couple of years since we saw each other during the – it was, I believe, in Boise NCAA tournament when you were yeah. in Ohio State. Hopefully it's not that long before we see each other in person again. And, and it's – when COVID's done, everything's fine, and it's at a college basketball or an NBA game, and we can kind of talk shop again. So I appreciate you joining. Well, I appreciate you having me, and definitely I look forward to that and seeing you again. Thank you so much. All right, keep the family safe, and uh, best of luck. Enjoy watching the rest of these playoffs. All right, man, you too. ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.